What's it like to be a driver working under the shadow of COVID-19? This is part two of HDT Talks Trucking's special report, Truck Driving During a Pandemic. I'm Jim Park. In part one of this two-part look into drivers' lives on the road, we touched on how COVID-19 was affecting their daily activities and how they were adjusting to this new and hopefully temporary reality. This time we delve into their hopes and fears as the pandemic evolves, the isolation, the lack of human contact, the risks they face, and their concerns about the post-pandemic economy. That's a lot to think about, and drivers have a lot of time to think. We'll kick off this episode with a driver who worries that the trucking industry isn't taking COVID-19 seriously enough. We'll be back in just a moment with Mark Sane of Tri-State Motor Transit. In these unprecedented times, you can count on HTT to bring you the latest news on COVID-19. Our coverage includes market reports, human interest stories, reader surveys, webinars, and more. You'll find everything you need to navigate these challenging times at truckinginfo.com slash COVID-19. What are your sort of fears or concerns or uh, what's got you worried about this particular point in time? Or are you worried about it? My concerns are protecting everything from the, the job site because I'm handed papers that have been in the hands of multiple people and they have dust and molecules on them and and I am taking those papers so my, one of my concerns is 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 protecting myself so that I could go ahead and protect other people and not pass it on to uh, my driving partner not pass it on to my family when I see them and to, and to absolutely at the end of the day stay healthy other concerns that I have is just being at a truck stop and at a site, people are not taking care of themselves and, and, and passing on uh, a virus to me. And so I take the uh, steps to keep myself healthy. Are you seeing much of that? People not taking what you would call reasonable precautions at this point? Oh, absolutely. You would, you would be shocked. And it is... Um, I would say about 50% of the people in the trucking industry are not taking this serious yet. Um, I, I see people that are still are not washing their hands after using the restaurant restroom. I see people that are coughing and sneezing in the restroom and using the toilet at the same time and then literally walking out of that toilet without any protection on their hands, without a mask, not washing their hands, and literally walking back out into the marketplace, into the truck stop, and touching items with little to no respect to anybody else. And that's a reality. And that, that's, that's not fair to other people. Have you been home since this outbreak began? Yeah, I was just home last night. And, and uh, you know, I've, I'm, with some, I'm with somebody that has a compromised immune system. So to me, it's, it's, I take this really serious. How do you feel going home, knowing that you could possibly be carrying something home to somebody with a compromised immune system? That must be way on your conscience a lot. It does. And, and what I do is, is um, the first thing I do is I put clean clothes on. I take a shower. And, 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 I, and I, I would not be with this person unless I absolutely knew that I, have, that, that I haven't 
been around anybody that was sick, or I, I have uh, 100% have done everything I can to protect myself from uh, um, being or attracting the virus in any way, shape, or form. Jeez. So, yeah. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be with this person. Yeah. I would, I, we actually talked about this last night. Just staying separate, staying apart, and staying in the truck for a while or a hotel or something. We we would do that for for sure. I would not I would not uh, uh, cause any harm if I felt like I didn't do what I needed to do. Let me tell you how horrible this is. So I haven't seen my son for um, gosh a month because of this coronavirus. He hasn't wanted me to come over to his house because he looks as he looks at he looks at me as though I am so possibly. Um, Painted with this virus, and that I'm that I'm a walking, you know, I, I I would say a host, and so so I went by his house yesterday, and I thought I would just see him outside in his yard, and and his and I've got two granddaughters. Well, he did not want the his girls to hug me, get near me, touch me, and and so we decided that we were actually going to break some bread and have a little bit of food last night together. So we all sat about, I don't know, six to eight feet apart. There was, there was five of us that was, and it, it, was, it was, we were sitting in his backyard and we had to spray down the chair that I was sitting in. Oh my goodness. It was so, but at least I have the opportunity to see everybody and I haven't seen them for a while, but there was a big concern on their part that I might be actually um, carrying a, an active virus. That's heartbreaking. A little bit because I couldn't hug my girls and, and my granddaughters, and but I would have loved to have given them a hug, and they really wanted to come and give me a hug. And one of them made me a, a made me a little uh, um, bracelet while I was there, and and the other one was entertaining me with a little a little act that she made up for me. But um, but yeah, it's, it it'll come around, and we'll we will all figure this out. Well, kudos to you for uh, having the self-restraint to stay apart. That, that's that got to be difficult, especially when you haven't seen your family for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Mark Sain, I sure appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. And uh, thanks for doing what you do and take care out there. Hope uh, hope you get through this okay at the uh, at the end of it all. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Linda Caffey is a team driver with her husband Bob on an expedited truck with a big aftermarket sleeper. She has all the comforts of home right on board, but she still needs to leave the truck to get groceries and deal with all the daily necessities. So, Linda, do you feel unsafe or at risk when you wade out into a crowd of people at a truck stop or when you're dealing with your customers? You know, I I haven't felt uncomfortable at all. Um, it's, It's people doing a job the same as us, and I... Uh, we've been where lately we've seen a few more wearing masks. I'm still not worried about it. I've not seen anybody that looks sick, acted sick that I was concerned about. I, I've always been kind of funny. I think we're going to run into it on the next load. It's like we're going to run into everybody being on a mask and they won't use your pen. They won't do the paperwork. They won't sign. You know what? They're just like us. They're going to work and doing a job. And I think they're very thankful they have a job. We're doing everything we can. We're washing our hands more. We're we're thinking more about, you know, staying healthy, but I haven't had a concern. Are you worried about anything? Anything keeping you awake at night right now? <laughs> There's 
a lot keeping me awake right now because if the economy doesn't start uh, going back to work um, and spending money, we're all going to grind to a halt. But what really scares me the most that is keeping me awake at night worrying is, you know, we, we keep getting called heroes for, for doing our job. And I'm so afraid when, I, when I've heard the saying that you could be a carrier and never know you had it, never know you were spreading the disease. I, I'm, I'm wondering when we go from being a hero to don't get near truck drivers, they're disease carriers. And that, that really, really is frightening me. I spoke to a driver earlier. He was telling me about going home to see his uh, son and daughters. And uh, he was heartbroken that he couldn't hug his kids, although he didn't want to. He knew the risks. He stayed the distance, too. But what a terrible situation where you can't even hug your kids because you could be a carrier. I, I know some drivers that won't go that haven't went home, that normally go home quite often, but they're afraid to go home because their spouse might have some health problems. And I, I agree, that is heartbreaking. And I think about their lives, they're afraid to go home to spread it. And then when they're out here, they can't go into truck stops and, and sit down and visit with anybody else. I, I, I worry about our suicide rate going up and depression. And I, I think that's going to become a huge issue as well. I'm thankful that I drive team. Um, I'm thankful that I don't have small kids, so I'm not afraid to go home. Um, yeah, my heart goes out to drivers that can't go home right now. That is really, really difficult. Yeah, and I hope it all comes to an end fairly soon. But I, I tell you, I am worried that if we start pulling that trigger to get things open too quickly, uh, you know, what could be a, a one-month shutdown could easily turn into a two- or three-month shutdown, you know, two months from now if we have to start this process all over again to try and get things back under control. That's a terrible thing to think about. You know, I, I don't believe everything I'm hearing. I, I'm super, super skeptical, and as this goes on, I'm even more skeptical. Because as of right now, still, I, I know nobody that has got this. Um, and I, I've talked to my daughter about it. She's the one that's in the military. And I asked her, how many people have had it? And she said, well, we know of five, and I, I know that they've all recovered. And so it's frustrating to me that people can get it, recover, but we don't hear about that. And how in the world could I go this long and still not know anybody that has has got the, 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 the flu? Interesting point. I know two people uh, who've, who've contracted it and then recovered. But I know a lot more than two people. <laughs> uh, it's so I, I wonder. I wonder if we're so afraid of something that is is not as bad as we're being told. I, I you know, if you have a breathing problem and you're sick or you're susceptible, I, I agree. You need to stay in, but you need to do that for the flu season anyway. Um, you know, the flu season is flu season last year was devastating, and we didn't have these precautions. So I I. I don't know. I, I wonder why we're being all frightened so much of something that we know nobody that has has it, or we know if people have recovered. Well, right now, as we speak, I'm looking at the Washington Post website, and they, they've been keeping a tally of the fatalities as a result of coronavirus so far. And as of this minute, 45,492 fatalities 
out of 822,000 reported cases. I think that's a number we all need to think about. It is. I agree. It is. You know, even if it's not as bad as some people would have us believe, um, my opinion, not that that matters that much here, but is if there's that much of a risk, then we should all be taking whatever precautions are necessary to try and prevent that number from getting any higher. 45,500 people. My God. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. What's the consequences, though, Jim, if the country's grind to a halt because there's nothing being bought? How long is it before when you go to the grocery store because part of the supply chain had to be shut down. Uh, you know, there's food in the there's food out in the field, but yet there's no tin to make the tin cans, or there's no plastic to make the bags. We're going to grind to a halt if that doesn't get put back onto production. I agree. Uh, there's really consequences to this thing on, on both sides of that scale, depending on how you look at it. The number it of fatalities, or you know, the possible economic consequences. Um, no easy decisions on either end. I would I would say, you know, even if the economy does grind to a halt, eventually it'll come back. Uh, it may take longer, but the link, the longer we push this thing out, um, you know, the less or, or the, the greater length of time the recovery is going to take. But at the same time, if you open up too early and more people die, uh, you've got real dire consequences at that end too. Well, there is, there is. It's you know we're we're in the unknown. I mean, who in the world has ever been through anything like this? And we are definitely in the unknown. And it will, you know, in the future we'll know what we did now if it was right or wrong. Well, Linda, listen. I know you're uh, you got a deadline to make, and you're under a load there right now, as they say. So, uh, want to thank you for your time. It was great hearing from you, telling us about what's going on in your world. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. We have a few more drivers to hear from in this podcast, but you can hear more of their stories in part one of truck driving during a pandemic. Coming up in the second half, we'll hear some shocking observations about driver hygiene, and we'll learn what it's like to spend your 36-hour reset in a dirt lot parking lot. But first, Harold Simmons of LS Wilson Trucking in Salt Lake City. He says drivers need to be a little bit more courteous and forgiving of other drivers' concerns because they might not know the whole story. Stay with us. HTT and TruckingInfo.com have everything you need to stay ahead of COVID-19. On top of our award-winning industry news coverage, we have webinars, market reports, human interest stories, reader surveys, and more. Check out our special section on COVID-19 at TruckingInfo.com slash COVID-19. Now let's talk with Harold Simmons. He's a company driver with LS Wilson Trucking out of Salt Lake City. Harold, given the potential for drivers to be exposed to this virus, how do you feel about going home? You know, Jim, uh, I'm really glad you asked that question, and it's going to take me just a moment to answer it. But uh, I have not been home for a while, and I'm really not planning going home until everybody knows it's safe. And my reason for that, sir, is three years ago when my wife went with me on the road all the time, she come down with pneumonia that was going around, and she spent... Uh, 37 days in intensive care in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, that was a pretty trying experience for us at that time to uh, 
be away from home and, and have somebody that you love so much so sick and you don't know from one day to the next if they're going to live or not, and they've gone through two or three surgeries that she went through. And I'm going to tell you, sir, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, as the as the patient who's sick or as the family member who uh, is trying to deal with it. So when there are people out here and they're avoiding you or they're trying to protect themselves, you know, what you may think is excessive, just go along and deal with it. Respect them for it because we don't know what they're living with at home, you know. And and who's there with them? Because I'm certainly not going home and taking any kind of a uh, a bronchial illness to my wife until I'm sure I'm not going home till I'm sure that she'll be fine. Because I don't want to go I don't want to go through that again. I would rather be apart from her another two months than to see her that sick again. Yeah, that would be an awful thing to live with if you uh, if you took something home with you like that. Wife, kids, neighbors, whoever. But, uh, yeah, I certainly understand right. your position there. I just don't want anybody to go through that. So I guess, uh, you know, that's what we need to express to a lot of the drivers out here. Just be patient with other people and respect what they're doing to, to keep themselves safe and keep yourself safe. We, we need all of you out here. What kind of steps are you taking to uh, protect yourself? You know, masks, gloves, uh, hand sanitizers, those sorts of things. What are you, what are you doing? I'm like everybody else, I guess. Uh, I did buy uh, boxes of rubber gloves at, uh, instead of my normal work gloves for when I'm fueling the truck and washing windows and mirrors and stuff like that. Or, uh, you know, and I've gone through two boxes of them now. Uh, I buy all kinds of uh, baby wipes and stuff that I can get my hands on to keep my hands clean, uh, especially when I'm cooking my meals like that or... Um, when I've come back out to the truck and when I've been gone from it for a little while, it's nice to have left them on a the step and be able to wipe down the handles and things like that because you just don't know really uh, where the virus is coming from, I guess. That's right. Um, wearing wearing face masks, I'm not always good at that, I have to admit. But, you know, if I walk up to the door and they say, you got to have a face mask or you can't come in, and no sense in throwing a fit. Just walk back to the truck and get it and go back in there, you know. I mean, I want to make the people that are taking care of me feel comfortable with me being in their presence, whether it's six feet away or ten feet away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's the biggest thing that all of us have to remember right now is do what makes you comfortable, but do it, um, you know, um, when you walk up to a door and somebody's coming out the doors, so you can you can either hold the door and stand behind it or you step six feet away. I, I have seen some drivers that, man, they, they got gloves on, they got masks on, they got scars wrapped around their head and their neck, and if you're walking toward them, they will run a circle around you. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to laugh at them because that's what makes them comfortable. Yeah, you know? that's important. So, I, I've heard stories of uh, yeah. drivers... You know, giving uh, truck stop service staff a hard time for wearing masks or gloves. You know, what do you think I am, a disease carrier or something like that? Which seems pretty unfair to me. I, I would think that it would be extremely unfair to to give somebody a hard time because they're trying to protect themselves. Yeah. Because we don't know what their living condition is. You know, they may be living uh, with a grandparent 
or they may have a child with asthma, you know, they may be more apt to be protecting the people in their home than they are their very selves. So this is uh, one of these things, in my opinion, we all need to just respect each other and each other's wishes and try to work together. You're a really sensible and charitable fellow, i got to admit. <laughs> it's refreshing to talk to you. Well, thank you, man. I, I, I've enjoyed being able to talk to you and tell you what my experiences have been out here. And I just, uh, my biggest wish in all this, Jim, is when this is over that uh, even though we'll be able to shake hands and stuff once in a while and have a cup of coffee, that we all remain, um, that we all keep treating each other the way we are right now, respectfully. That's been very nice. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, that's your perspective. I don't know where this is going to end, Harold. Um, could be another two or three months. Could be could be longer. But uh, I hope you all get home soon and, uh, you know, you stay safe through all this. Appreciate you talking to us today. You bet, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you, too. Thank you. Take care, Harold. Next up is Trina Monez. She's a driver with Bison Transport based in Toronto, Ontario. She's also a member of the Women in Trucking's Image Team. Trina, do you feel safe these days or at least comfortable with your level of exposure as a driver? Actually, I, I'm i pretty safe because I am self-contained in a truck the majority of my time, except when I have to get out and go to a customer, I have to get out and pump my fuel. I, I have to go into a truck stop. I, I just make sure that I'm very diligent on how I protect myself, but I'm kind of quarantined myself in my truck. I haven't been home since December 28th. And when I was going to go home, uh, about three months ago, I called my kids and said, you know what? You're not sick. I'm out here. I I may not be sick, but I could be carrying something. So I won't be coming home for any time soon. So I've been out here since December, and I and I plan on being out here for quite some time yet. But I I stay quarantined in my truck. How does your family feel about that? Well, they understood why I wasn't coming home. But it's very hard on their nerves because they can't actually see me. If they could see me, then they'd know I was okay. Yeah. But there's a problem with um, essential travel. If you're doing what you're told, you can't, like, my, say my daughter. My daughter can't just up and drive out and see me. And even though we can't hug or anything else, um, she can't actually drive out and see me. Yeah. I can't go there because how am I going to get there? I don't have a car to get there. So I call her. Uh, I call my daughter every day and just to check in and let her know. I call my son and... I, I let him know everything's okay and check in on him. That, that, that's all I can do. Because I probably won't be going home for another four months anyway. Well, listen, Trina, thanks very much for uh, sharing that with us. We appreciate it. And uh, 
I wish you safe travels, and uh, I hope you get home sooner than the next four months. I, I hope so, too, but we'll see. You can't take chances. Even though um, you get cabin fever and you want to get out and do stuff, um, you got to really, really pay attention because that's when things will go seriously wrong if you try to jump the gun. Indeed. So you're better off just to be patient. <laughs> well, be patient and be careful, Trina. Thanks very much for talking with us. Thank you, Jim. Take care. We're speaking now with veteran driver Jeff Barker. He's a driver trainer at Crete Carriers. Jeff, how do you feel about going home? If you if you were going home, what precautions would you be taking? Um, I'm still uh, staying with my family, but it's one of the things. First thing I do is I I'll grab a shower before I go to my mom's house, and then uh, just uh, sit uh, far enough away from her whenever we're. Uh, Having a conversation, so then we sit at least uh, six feet apart. You know, we won't uh, sit at the same table to eat together or anything right now because, uh, you know, being that I've been everywhere, the last thing I want to do is get hurt infected anyway. Okay. So, yeah, because I mean, I travel all over the uh, all over the country, you know, and I go to a lot of hot spots. But then, uh, thanks, I've always been a bit of a germaphobe anyway, so I think I'm doing a pretty good job of uh, avoiding. Uh, contact with other people and things like that. I mean, I wear the rubber gloves whenever I'm away from my truck. And then, uh, you know, I'm really anal about washing my hands before I walk out of the bathroom, too. I mean, a lot of uh, people I've seen over the years, uh, they don't even wash their hands when they leave the bathroom. And, and there's another observation I'll make, too, if you probably notice this yourself. Uh, give notice when you go to a grocery store. You'll see where all the hand sanitizers miss from the shelf right next to it. They have plenty of antibacterial soap. What does that tell you? Nobody's washing their hands properly. A lot of these people think that uh, hand sanitizer and antibacterial wash to replace proper hand wash, which it is not. No, it's the second best line of defense, I guess. And I know my hands are practically worn thin here. The skin's all dry, and I just wash them like six or seven times a day. I probably don't have to working at home, but uh, it's just a habit I'm trying to get into, even when I go outside. I've always been in the habit of doing that. One thing I've been doing for probably the last 20 years, whenever I walk out of a uh, a public restroom, is I'll actually use a paper towel to grab that door handle. I will not touch that handle with my bare hand. What do you suppose would happen if you walked into a shipper receiver and asked to take their temperature before you walked into the building? Yeah, yeah that's a very good question. I never thought about that. I mean, uh, but then again, I, from what I understand, though, they're... Uh, a lot of them are taking temperatures with their employees when they walk in the building. Too. They just want to verify that everybody that enters that building, whether they're an employee or uh, a driver or some kind of vendor otherwise, they just want to make sure that everybody's healthy, which in a way I can't blame them for that. But, I mean, nope. I'm pretty sure that uh, what I know, so it seems like they've got like a medical thing set up outside a lot of places that uh, where they do actually check people's temperatures and stuff whenever they're going into work every day. It'd be good if you had similar assurances, though, that they, uh, the people you were associating with at those locations weren't sick. Uh, do you see any That's protections exactly, in yeah. place for yourself? Um, the protections I have uh, so far have been, uh, like I said, my company's been uh, issuing us uh, rubber gloves and antibacterial wipes as well as face, uh, face masks and stuff like that. So we've been getting that stuff through my employer. And then, of course, uh, they're also, uh, if we're diagnosed with COVID-19, they're uh, symptom paying for our medical bills, as well as um, hotel for quarantine, and they're also giving us uh, downtime pay, for, you know, medical leave pay in order to uh, 
help us um, sustain ourselves during that time too and everything. So my employer stepped up. I mean, I can't say that every uh, employer here in the U.S. has done that. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Jeff. I appreciate your insights into what's going on out there on the road and uh, stay safe, okay? Yeah, you too. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for your time. We're going to wrap up this episode with Rebecca Coons. She's been driving less than a year, but she's holding up remarkably well under the pressure of the job and life with COVID-19. Rebecca, it's been suggested that because drivers travel all over the country, they should be taking extra precautions to self-isolate. Do you think that's true? I, I really can't talk. My mother just delivered light groceries to me. She brought it to the truck and set it down and then walked away. So you really didn't even get a chance to see her or talk to her? Man, this, you know, this whole thing has been pretty rough on people who are in separate houses like that. Yeah, it sure is. What about you? Are You're in the truck all the time? Or do you go home yes, once in yes a while? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, my, my family actually has a few people who are immunocompromised. They actually can't be around people who even have the flu or, you know, the common cold or anything. So with this and how quiet the symptoms are and the long incubation period, we decided it would be best to maintain their quarantine until they rolled out widespread driver testing. So when's the last time you saw anybody in your family or like, you know, got up close and gave somebody a hug? Around Valentine's Day. Jeez. That's coming up on two months now. I saw my mother today, obviously. She dropped everything off. But like I said, I looked at her throughout the windshield. She dropped everything off and went back to her car and then I got out. We were on the phone the whole time, but I haven't actually hugged her or anybody else in my family since Valentine's Day. That's got to hurt. It, it does. It's, you know, we kind of looked at each other and she was like, I really just miss you. And I was like, I know, but it's it's for everybody's good. So. So, I mean, you're out there in the truck. You've been out there since Valentine's Day, you said earlier. Uh, really haven't gone home yet. Uh, what happens when it comes time to reset your hours or how do you live in a truck seven days a week if you can't get out and go to a movie or go shopping or go to a restaurant? It's like the cab, the cab, the cab, and the cab. How do you cope with that? You walk around the truck a lot uh, on your days off, and when you reset, you just try to get near facilities. You try to get near somewhere where you can do your laundry, obviously, and have a more comfortable place Um I have managed it most of the time. Sometimes I'm resetting in a dirt lot where I have to do my best. But, again, it's just something that you you always have to deal with. Occasionally, you're just kind of dealing with it a little bit more with more places closing down and more places not letting you in to use their facilities or not letting you into the buildings. So I will say that isolation has kind of ramped up for a lot of drivers. We normally used to sit in the driver's lounge and talk with each other, even if we couldn't go home. But now we're not allowed to do that, of course. And social distancing means that you have to yell across the room to people. So it's been a lot less of friendly faces and a lot more of the truck itself and looking at the tires and looking at the bumpers and just (laughs) looking at the truck. (laughs) You're going to hate that thing when this is all over. 
I don't think I could ever hate my truck. I absolutely adore my truck. I just wish that my truck came with maybe another person (laughs) (laughs) to have a real conversation with. Be careful what you ask for, because you could be cooped up in a little space like that with somebody for a month, too. That would take some doing. That is also true. You know, at times, I really think that I would appreciate the company, and at times, I'm really glad that I don't have to talk to anyone, and I can just kind of be in my truck by myself and um, think about the things that we're going through and have my own crisis. You've just met seven drivers among the hundreds of thousands of men and women out there who are keeping this country going despite the challenges imposed by COVID-19. They all seem to take the stress and anxiety in stride, and they all seem to place the safety of others above their own safety. That's what I'd call heroic behavior, though each of them has told me that they're just regular people out there doing their jobs. That may be true, but I think each of them deserves a huge thank you for the work they do. You've been listening to a special two-part edition of HDT Talks Trucking, Truck Driving During a Pandemic. Thanks to our guests in this episode, Mark Sane of Tri-State Motor Transit, Linda Caffey, an expediter with Landstar, Trina Monez of Bison Transport, Jeff Barker of Crete Carriers, and Rebecca Coons of Cargo Transporters. We have a few more COVID-19 special reports in the works, including cleaning and sanitizing for COVID-19, keeping the shop running, and working remotely from home. We'll also get the truck stop's perspective in all this, and we'll take a look forward to see where we might be by the time COVID-19 is just an unpleasant memory. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. 